When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reason Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick. I'll be joined today by Alphonse Sidney, who you can follow at Alf954. Welcome back to sponsor to the Five Reason Sports Network. If you're betting football this weekend, you know where you need to bet, and that's betdsi.com. That's betdsi.com. Make sure you use the promo code 5101. That's spelled out F-I-V-E-101, 5101, and you will get a bonus when you bet, and here's the reason you need to go there, because you can bet on anything, not just football or basketball, but virtually anything. And then also you can bet in games. So look, let's say, uh, you know, you pick for the Sunday games in the NFL, not going the way you expected, but you think things will turn around in the second half. Well, then bet it again going in, in halftime. I had some success doing that this year. Also, of course, you can bet NBA, NHL, and I believe the MLB futures are on there already. So certainly you can bet just about everything, Saturday night fights. Go to BetDSI. Com. That's betdsi.com. Great customer service. They'll take care of you, and they've got bonuses and promos going all the time. Again, 5105. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back with Alphonse Sidney. We come to you after the Heat lose in Orlando, which was predictable because they typically lose in Orlando, and the Heat are currently playing six guys, basically. Uh, and so <laughs> it was bound to catch up to them eventually. Uh, it's a topic for another day. I think Alf and I have, and Alex and I have hammered that quite a bit here on the podcast, and obviously the hope is that some of these dead roster spots will not be dead roster spots for too much longer. We know the Deion Waiter situation. He apparently is sick again, hopefully not seasick. Uh, James, <laughs> James, I've been saving that one. Uh, hopefully, you know, James Johnson. Boom, I'm, boom. Boom, boom. I don't really know what's going on with James Johnson right now. I, I would love That's to find out. That's the one, man. That's, That's the, the one, one I need. It. I, I would love an answer to. I, I don't know. I mean, he showed up in a space suit, but that's really all that we've seen from him. I, I don't really get it. I know people have speculated, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Chris Silva kind of, I don't, in and out of the rotation. I mean, there's this misconception on Twitter. I don't want to focus on this a lot today. This misconception, they're not playing him to say the service days. doesn't matter. Uh, if he's on the roster, it's a service day. So I don't know why you wouldn't play him. If he's as long there. as he's active, it's a service as, day. As long as he's active. Well, it's not even as long as he's active. As long, right. I think, yeah, that's right. As long as he's active or practicing, I mean, that's a service day too, but they're not concerned about the service days. I, I've reported that a while ago when no one else was, they're not, they're not concerned about the service days that they're moving under the tax. And so eventually they're going to be able to sign him to a full contract if they want to. So that's an odd one. And then of course, justice Winslow, who 
I know tweeted some stuff out. I don't even know if it was him tweeting since it was 90 minutes before a game. Somebody might have had his account about him being back. People thought he was coming back for the Orlando game. He wasn't. He's not playing in the Portland game. Uh, and, and I have heard it's going to be a while longer. You know, again, others have disputed that, but we'll see what happens. Um, so a lot of dead roster spots. Uh, the Heat are 25 and 10. I think if you said before the season, 35 games, would you take it? You absolutely would. You now have three or four losses you would not like not like to have, like Minnesota, Memphis, uh, Washington, and Orlando. But you also have some wins you weren't expecting, like a couple against Toronto, a couple against Philadelphia, etc. So we're going to focus on one thing today, though, Alf. We're going to try to we're going to cut the ADD for both of us, and we're simply going to focus on Hassan Whiteside because he is back on Sunday. He's one of the most polarizing figures I think in Heat history, or was until all of the opinion went to one side, except for like six people. Um, and so I just want to focus on the Hassan Whiteside experience because I think it symbolizes a lot of kind of where the Heat are this year, where they were headed before, where they really don't want to go again, and kind of what Heat culture means. So I'm going to throw these at you, Al. Five things I think that we learned from the Hassan Whiteside experience. And here's the first one in my view. The days of the dump it down in the post, play through a center in that way are over. And I think that Pat Riley, maybe because of his experiences with Kareem, Zoe, and Patrick Ewing and Shaq, was one of the last to kind of accept this around the NBA, and that led to that contract. I, I saw a stat today on Twitter that I think it was Kirk Goldsberry who does excellent stuff who tweeted that post-ups are at their lowest level ever in the NBA. So it's not just the bigs. Nobody's posting anymore. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that the traditional center, not the Bam Adebayo center, we're going to talk about Bam, the traditional center is dead? I do just because the game has evolved uh, as far as – and it's funny to me because, you know, when you, when you look back at the 80s, we, everyone was scoring in the 140s. Um, nobody was shooting threes, but they, nobody was playing defense either, right? So defenses have become so sophisticated that it's hard to even get the ball into a post player, which is I, – I, that seems weird, but the way defenses are set up right now, for you to sit on the block and just post up Shaq on Alonzo Morning, and for a perimeter player just to get the ball in, like that interior pass is so difficult now. Because defenses have evolved, so the game has moved further and further from the basket, and it, it has become more of a face-up drive to the basket game and hope to get fouled. So a traditional big, it just there's not a lot of place for that. Just, just because, I mean, there's so much fronting in the post going on nowadays. Um, you also just don't have as many skilled big men. And, and a lot of this goes back to um, me as a coach and – middle school and elementary and, you know, early high school, everybody wants to shoot threes, right? So all these guys that are coming up through AAU and through high school and through college, every big man that comes, that comes into the league right now that has a modicum of skill mm -hmm. is uh, at least a halfway decent three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. so, so you have the big, big guys who are rim protectors that don't necessarily have the skill of a shot, of a hockey. Or David Robinson, 
Patrick Ewing that are skilled in a low block, those guys have learned to play beyond the perimeter. And then the guys who are just big and, and slow-footed, like the Greg Ostertags, um, they just become these guys who are spot-minute guys off the bench, rim protectors, the JaVale McGee's that can't really – that can't give you 35 minutes a game and aren't really offensive threats. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, the traditional big is gone. And I think the Heat, as has been the case with so many different situations, I think the Heat and Eric Spolster have had something to do with this. Because if you look at the way they approached the beginning of the Big Three era, they were still stuck in the past, remember? It was, okay, let's bring in Zadrunas Ogalskis on his last legs because he's LeBron's friend. Let's bring in Eric Dampier, right? Let's bring in Eddie Curry, Eddie Curry, right? Greg Oden. Uh, Ronnie Turioff, who's not really a post-up center. It was a big Dexter Pittman drafted in the second round who they tried to develop. All of these centers, right? And, and, you know, to me, where it ended for the Miami Heat and where there was this recognition that, okay, we can't do this anymore, was seven minutes of Dexter – I don't even think it was seven minutes. Seven minutes of Dexter Pittman in Indiana. I I remember sitting there at courtside when we used to have those, those really good baseline seats in Indiana and watching and looking at Eric Spolster as Dexter Pittman was his fill in center during that. And, and realizing Dexter was never going to play again. Uh, it was just really obvious <laughs> looking at Eric Spolster. It's just never, and Dexter was a really nice guy. Um, a fun fact about Dexter Pittman. He had a screensaver of Adele on his, uh, on his iPad. Um, he's a big Adele fan, a really nice guy. Uh, couldn't really play at the NBA level. They tried to get him in, in heat shape. That was never going to happen. They tried the same with Eddie Curry. So they tried all these bigs, these rotating bigs, right? But the only big that was really effective for them, other than Chris Boss during that era, was Joel Anthony. Yep. It was a guy and you would never throw the ball to in the post because he had Edward Scissorhands, right? But so, you, But you remember what he could do better than what any he of the do. other Heat bigs, blow up every pick and roll that he mm-hmm. saw. Yeah, exactly. And that and look, and then they realized, wait, Chris Bosch can do some of that stuff too, right? So let's take our best big and and sort of utilize him in that way. And Bosch ended up being the guy who spearheads the defense. And Bam Adebayo is now sort of that vision fully realized, right? Like that is, you know, what what they had with Joel and Chris Bosch, it's like they're trying to combine the two of them in Bam Adebayo. Now Bam is not Bosch as a perimeter shooter, but he's also 22. Bosch was not this as a perimeter shooter at 22. So I, I think that the Heat had a lot to do with this because the idea that you could win inverting, right? Like having Dwayne and LeBron in the post and having your big out on the perimeter and then bringing in Battier to play small ball four, other teams were not really doing this. I mean, Don Nelson's Golden State Warriors used to do it way back where they play point forwards and really small bigs and play three guards. Uh, and he was ahead of his time. And then obviously the new warriors took it to a new level with Draymond green as their, as their, you know, late game five um, and going with the death lineup. But it was really the heat had a lot to do with it. So getting back to Whiteside here, before we get to number two, I think that a lot of it is just, I think Pat was holding on to kind of an old premise that like, if you have the dominant big, uh, who you can throw the ball down to in the post, but at the same time can kind of clean everything up on the other end, that that becomes the fulcrum of everything. And I just think that's an outdated concept. And I, I, that's the one part of this I don't fault Hassan for, because I think he just got caught up in the times. Um, and, and I think Pat was holding on to it, but it wasn't going to happen anymore. Number quick, two. Quick yeah, question. Quick, do you think that was Pat thinking that that was going to be the future of the Miami Heat? Or did you think he had an asset? That he did not want to let go. 
Well, and, I think I think it's both. I mean, I, Tyler Johnson was an asset they didn't want to let go, and I never understood that. And I, I, my understanding is that was more Mickey than Pat, but never understood why you looked at a six foot four guard, um, you know, but at least sort with, of a slightly above average athletic talent, and decided we have to keep least, that but, guy. But with Tyler, they were bidding against themselves. I know the Nets right. wanted to offer him a contract, but not nearly the kind of contract that Heat offered them. Mm-hmm. Offered them. They were bidding against the Mavericks, and there were probably some other teams out there. No, that the Blazers. Been... No, no, the Blazers offered them a yeah, so... I, I actually heard I, – I was communicating with Hassan's agent that night, um, and, and he basically told me they had five offers on the table uh, of Max's, and I believe him because when I, when I went to check it out after – now, Dion and JJ, we've talked about a lot. There were no offers. I mean, they're, so... they're beyond one year. But Hassan, there were. There absolutely were bidding against other teams. And I don't want to harp on this too long, and this one – I understand that people blame uh, Pat for the Hassan signing. That's one of the ones that even in retrospect, I don't disagree with because there were maybe three or four max guys that summer and Mm -hmm. Hassan was considered one of them. And when you have one of those guys in your building, you don't let them walk. No, well, that's and, true. And, it, and they had a plan for him to take less money if mm-hmm. they could sign Kevin Durant. So there was yes. a plan there. Well, there was, right? He did agree to that. Actually, I, I reported that. I was the one who reported that, that he was willing to take less money if, if they got Durant, uh, but not if they kept Dwayne. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll just... That's a whole other problem. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just... I'll let you know one of the texts I got after I reported that someday. Um, so... <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, that that led to a great uh, I don't know that led to a great drama uh, that that ended up of course all okay because Dwayne's getting his number retired February twenty second uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, for whom he is also the greatest guard in in their franchise's history. But anyway, I, I mean, and look, the look Bulls. At, and the Bulls, right? Well, he's not. Well, he may be second greatest <laughs> there, they, or third behind B.J. Armstrong. No, it's probably second. Whoa. All right, l- all right <laughs> let's get to number two here, um, and, and this is culture. And, and look, again, I want to look – you look at Hassan's numbers. After he signed, re-signed in 2016, all of his numbers except blocks went up the next year. He, he, he went up from 14.2 points to 17. He went up from 11.8 rebounds to 14.1. His block numbers were down. So it's not like statistically he had a bad, bad thing. But what Eric Spolster said the other day um, in response to my very harmless question about Jimmy Butler – uh, when I basically asked, we probably should play that on one of the podcasts, but basically I just asked him about Jimmy shooting and if he was concerned about Jimmy shooting. But, you know, again, they were 11-2 and two in games that Jimmy has five field goals or fewer. Um, and somehow Spo changed this into a whole answer about uh, what a max player should really be and then mentioned 2K rating. It's not really not about what your 2K rating is. And so, of course, within 30 seconds on Twitter, everybody had said, ah, Spolster's firing shots at Hassan Whiteside, which – he may or may not have subconscious, subconsciously have been he was, doing. He was. He, probably. He won't acknowledge it, I'm sure. But, but let's get back to the culture question because I think, um, I, you know, I've been the one that has hated the word culture uh, because I hated it because, to me, culture was an excuse for not acquiring talent, right? So, to me, it was like when you, when you harped on culture and you made your slogan, it's because you were force-feeding Rodney Magruder 30 minutes a game because you'd struck out on all these free agents and made other poor decisions. Um, now that you have real players and Jimmy Butler's leading your culture, I'm okay with the culture word because obviously Jimmy has latched onto this. Um, but looking at the Hassan experience, Alf, and culture, what did we learn about a player who is not a bad person? I don't think anybody's ever said Hassan's a bad person. He's not destructive in that way, but just somebody who doesn't necessarily get with the program. H- how damaging is that? How much do you think it means? 
Well, the thing about Hassan and Hassan's numbers, and it's one of those things that when he was here, it was a very hard thing to argue that while he's putting up 18 and 12, he's not contributing to winning. So there's, there's, there was always these two different factions. You mentioned there's still like six people left on Twitter that still think that Hassan Whiteside was the answer and Eric Spolster mess up that situation. So you have, the, you have guys like Hassan Whiteside and you have guys like Justice Winslow, where a guy like Hassan Whiteside, and like, like you said, he's not a bad guy, but he is very, very aware of what his numbers are. And his numbers, those counting stats, mean a lot to him. And, okay, I understand, listen, those numbers equate to dollars in his pocket. Like, he didn't get a max contract because he was a hustle guy like Rodney Magruder uh, diving on the floor for rebounds. He got the, that max contract because he put up 18 and 12. He's a double-double monster. He's, he can walk out on the floor and accidentally fall into 11 rebounds and three blocks. But the Heat culture is supposed to be about sacrifice, right? It's supposed to be about doing whatever it takes to win. And listen, as much as whether you want to believe in all that or not, that is what they preach. And you cannot preach that with a guy at the, as a centerpiece of your team who mopes after someone takes a rebound from him. Like, it's funny, the other day, uh, Myers stole the rebound from Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler gave him a look. They're laughing on the court together. They made a big deal about it on social media as a joke. Like, it became this, like, running joke. It was just this funny thing. That legitimately happened once or twice a game with Hassan Whiteside. If someone took one of his rebounds, he would mope back up the floor. And that, when things like that, other players, I mean, nobody's blind. The fans aren't blind. People see that. And that is so, and, and, and the antithesis of heat culture, because it shouldn't matter who gets a rebound. It shouldn't matter who scores the most points. It shouldn't matter who gets the most assists. And then another thing, when it comes to assists, you look at what Bam Adebayo does with assists, how he runs, how he runs the entire offense from the elbow, mm-hmm. how Chris Bosh used to sacrifice numbers. Chris Bosh could have been putting up 25 points a game his entire career. He sacrificed to just make sure the offense run, ran smoothly. When you dumped it down into Hassan, that was a black hole. It was not coming back out, which is why the whole we got shooters thing was hilarious because you're not going to pass to the shooters, Hassan. Like, once you get the ball, you are going to put it below your knees and someone's going to strip it from you. Well, so, you, know, you, know, you know, the best part about that was he said the we got shooters, which a lot of it was referencing Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, right? And I think through the first 10 games of the season, he had one assist total to either of those two players. <laughs> Uh, which is hard to do when you're talking about two of the elite, elite perimeter players in the entire league. But yeah, that's the whole thing. And I'm going to give you two more things on this uh, before we move on to the next part. You know, the thing that Eric Spolster always told me about Hassan was, was uh, before I think Eric lost total patience. And I, you know, I heard that it was just not sustainable for him to work with Hassan for another year. But basically, the thing that he always said about Hassan was he wanted Hassan, he, he never had an issue with whether Hassan worked hard. His issue is whether Hassan worked with. I remember a conversation I had with Eric uh, maybe right after Hassan signed the contract, a couple months after, and he basically said, look, you know, I want him, you know, he'll go to the, he'll go to the, you know, to, to the, you know, the Heat's, you know, training facility and hit the weights, but he wants him to go with someone, okay? When another guy falls on the floor on the court, 
He wants him to reach down and pick that guy up. I mean, I can't tell you how many times guys fell around Hassan. He just walked right by him. Like that, that kind of stuff, they just, they just got tired of it, you know? And, and I, it wasn't just the coaching staff. It was the, the players as well. And it does not mean you're a bad guy, but it just meant that he was so laser focused. And look, he's not the only guy in heat history to be focused on stats. Okay. LeBron used to come over when we were over courtside and you know, find out how many assists he had, like he, if he, how close he was to a triple double, like he was highly aware of his stats, but he also, you know, he also had eight or nine. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Assist before he started looking to see if he could get 10. <laughs> okay. Not eight or nine assists for two months. You know, it's it's a little bit of a different deal. Final story on this. Um there's a player who is still on the heat. Now I'm not gonna narrow it down because there are only like six or seven guys that are still here from last year. There's a player who's still on the Heat uh, who had a pretty funny comment about LeBron. Uh, I'm excuse me about LeBron, about Hassan. They got relayed to me. They were at a hotel on the road and there was an escalator, and Hassan stumbled on his way. He was either up or down the escalator, and this player looked at another player on the team and said, "That'll be six weeks." Um, and I, I think oh. that was that was kind of where they were uh, with him at that stage. That they they just didn't trust him to be on the court all the time. We'll get to more here in a second. I want to tell you about a new sponsor of the five reasons sports network. This may be the most important sponsor we've ever had uh, because I'm kind of a schlep and, uh, and this sponsor is going to help me out a lot. It's Cervanti men's custom clothier. How frustrating is it to shop for dress clothes? Okay. You never seem to find the right fit, the right color, the right style. Maybe you feel like you never know what to wear or how to wear it. Maybe you got a, a wedding, a special event coming up, or you just need to wear professional attire daily that's why you got to go see blanca over at Cervani men's custom clothier that's in south miami her private showroom located right across from sunset place on red road Cervani has been designing fine custom-made clothing in south miami for over 30 years for longer than the heat have been in existence and your custom-made suits pants shirts and shoes will fit you just the way you like so schedule a private consultation like i did i had a lot of fun doing this alf i think i texted you from there did it for a couple hours um with blanca to start looking your best and get the benefit of a female's perspective on men's fashion, which I think all of us can use right now. I'm, my daughter's telling me what to wear tonight. And she's pretty good at it, but Blanc is better. Uh, give her a call at 305-310-2085. That's 305-310-2085 because nothing fits like custom tailored clothes. So stop buying off the rack. That's Cervanti Men's Custom clothier all right let's get to number three here wait a second wait a yes. second does she do cargo shorts i'm gonna ask her uh, i think you're <laughs> part of this package as we go forward yeah and, i want uh, I, I would love some tailored, car- tailored cargo cargo. Shorts. i did not see cargo shorts i mean she's got uh, you know she's got a small little office down there but everything's there um and uh, i picked out uh i think 
handful of sports coats. Um, I'm not really a suit person. I mean, I have a couple suits, but I think they're from 1988. Uh, so I, I, I picked out like some sports coats, uh, some jeans that are a little nicer than the ones I currently have, a lot nicer, and then a bunch of shirts. So we're going to start with that, but I will ask about the cargo shorts. I Please. I, I will, I don't, do they do designer cargo shorts? Is that even? I mean, maybe she can get me to eight pockets. That'd well, be... what if the what if the eight pockets? Because you know I'm going to have my little my insignia in there, EJS, on my shirt. So maybe, oh, they, my... Can, maybe they could put Alf on the the pockets of the cargo shorts. Signature Alf cargo shorts. <laughs> I think we should sell those. <laughs> on the bird. Gonna, I, well, we can't because Cervantes is going to do it for you. I, but I, otherwise, it'd be great to have on FiveReasonsSports.com, right? Right next, <laughs> right next to our Bucket Bros T-shirts, we'll have Alf signature cargo shorts. Eight pockets. Eight pockets. Shit, I'll get smooth on that. All right, let's get to number. <laughs> let, let's get to number three here. Um, and and this one, uh, you know, again, uh, getting back to Hassan. Let's look at Hassan in Portland this year, because uh, I think this speaks to the entire experience. His numbers are really good, Alf. Um, they're really good. Like I can't deny that. Like just from a pr- pure counting perspective, uh, he's averaging fifteen point seven points. That's career best. He's averaging 13.8 rebounds. That's second best in his career, but right behind his career high. 1.3 assists, which, believe it or not, Alf, is a career high. Uh, 2.8 wow. blocks, 2.8 blocks, which is his second best of his career since, his, since uh, the season before he got paid, and he's leading the league in that. Um, and he's shooting 60% from the field. And, I, I mean, so, I mean, if you just look at these numbers on their face, they're pretty damn good. Um, but then we look at Portland. And this is a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. And maybe they, they overachieved a little bit, but they're 15 and 21, and they're out of the playoffs right now. Um, they currently sit in ninth place. I mean, yeah. I mean, how do we? I mean, they just they just beat up on Washington, which the Heat lost to. But how do we evaluate this? Because you know, Hassan's numbers are good. They brought in Carmelo. Carmelo's kind of doing what Carmelo typically does. Uh, McCollum has been in and out and not been particularly effective this year and not compared to past years. Lillard's had some dog games compared to what he usually has. And they lost some role guys, including a guy, by the way, who's with the Miami Heat, Myers Leonard. We'll talk about in the next segment. What, 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 how do we evaluate Hassan in Portland? I, I, I don't want to blame everything that's happening on Hassan, but I think it just kind of lends to the whole counting stats I feel like we've gone beyond counting stats. Have we not? Like the whole points, rebounds, blocks, assists, steals. Like it used to be if you were a high steal guy, people considered you a good defender. But that's not even true at all. If you're a high steal guy, a lot of times that means that you're gambling way too much and you're leaving guys wide open. Now there are guys who steal, like Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, high steal guys that are also really good defenders. But there's been a lot of high steal guys in the past there aren't really great defenders at all. So same thing with blocks. We watched it a lot with, with Hassan here. He'd go, he would go for blocks all the time, and then some guy like Alex Len is wide open under the basket, and, and there you go with a putback. So I just feel like we, we, we focus on the counting stats, and yes, he is having a good year as far as that's concerned. But we've seen some of these clips of him fighting with Carmelo Anthony for rebounds, him not getting his hands up on a shot. Um, Hassan is a good basketball player. Like, he's a really good, talented basketball player. He's huge. His wingspan is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it's just that does what he, what he does on the court, does it, um, does it 
extend to winning basketball games. And well, that's a, but that's the question though. When you say he's a really good basketball, see that's that's where you and I differ a little bit. I, I I would agree with you on the athletic stuff, the measurable stuff. I mean, I can't I can't tell you how many times you mentioned like he kind of stumbled his way into eleven rebounds. Sometimes I can't tell you how many times he didn't jump and the ball he just the ball just fell to him because he's huge. Right, right. So you know, look and look, there's a skill to that. But I think a lot of people kind of wondered, you know, what they and we talked about it before the year, like how the Heat would rebound without him. And they've been in the top five in rebound percentage the entire year, and Bam's top ten in the league. Um, so I, they haven't really missed him from a rebounding perspective. Now, they miss him from a rim protection perspective. I don't think there's any question about that. They, they do, and that's become more of an issue without Winslow because, you know, you expected to be able to stop guys on the perimeter, so it wasn't an issue in the paint. Now, they yeah, did the that point. early in the season, but it hasn't yeah, happened Yeah, they were stopping lately. people from even getting to the rim. But was not like, anymore because they're yeah. exhausted. And so all of this plays together. And so that's when, you know, I've got some Heat fans on Twitter who like, well, if we had Hassan right now, we'd be able to clean some of this stuff up. And I said, but if you had Hassan right now, Bam wouldn't be playing 35 minutes, and you'd probably have 10 more losses. So I, I just, I like, the idea of Hassan Whiteside is a great idea. Like, if you could play him 10 minutes a game. Like, like, like if you could bring him in the game and here, here's your job. Okay. Don't make it comfortable for anybody at the basket. That's it. Do that. If you could do like, I remember I, you know, when I was covering with them traveling on the road with that team for every game in 15, 16. And I remember him coming off the bench in Dallas and just messing shit up like from a, in a good way. Like he was just destroying people off the bench. Remember they were bringing Winslow and Richardson and him off the bench together. It was ridiculous. Killing people defensively, like just killing people because th- those two guys were so such, you know, dogs on the perimeter and again, in a good way. Um, and then Hassan was cleaning everything up and they were their their plus minus with the three of them that year was tremendous. And then, you know, we had to make Hassan a starter again because he wasn't going to be happy coming off the bench. Remember, Stoudemire was getting those placeholder minutes that, you know, the, that, you know, Spolster light loves to give his centers. Right. So, and now he's giving to Myers. He was, Leonard playing, the, most he was playing the Myers Leonard role. Myers Leonard role. Right. Except he was getting even fewer minutes than Myers is now because Myers is getting additional stints, but basically yeah, the, the, those placeholder minutes that, like I mentioned, early big three, he was giving to Elgowskis or, or Joel or somebody like that. And he was giving him to Stoudemire and Amari was pretty limited at that stage, but then Hassan would come in and just, wreck everything in a good way for the heat like if you could put him in that role but if you're going to make him kind of the fulcrum of your program that's where things got messed up and i think that's where again the heat at riley in particular uh sort of didn't evaluate him from a personality standpoint to realize he was never going to accept that for the long term and so you had to make him the center of your program particularly if he was a max player but if you made him a max player then you know he expects certain things you expect he expects certain things and you expect certain things and the fans expect and the fans that's the other thing the fans expect certain things and you were never going anywhere with him um as your best player i I look at the standings right now i think portland's going to make the playoffs uh, unless they make a drastic trade the the bottom of the west is a lot weaker than we anticipated uh you know okc is a little better than people expected but you know i you know nobody thought zion was going to miss the whole season so the bottom dropped out from new orleans nobody thought that Steph was going to miss the whole season, so the bottom dropped off from Golden State. You had some teams there that are not as good as expected. Minnesota, you know, proved fraudulent again. So, like, I mean, you, you've had teams with, like, 10-game losing streaks, and they're still in the mix in the West. Like, I think Portland, just as long as Lillard's there, I think they make the playoffs. Um, and so, you know, then they'll get, you know, run out of the building by the Lakers in the first round or the Clippers. 
uh, or maybe even Houston, but I think they'll make the playoffs. So I, I don't think that he's going to sink them in that way. And I don't think he's totally responsible for what's happened there, but he hasn't elevated them. And I, I think that's uh, the big issue when you're making, you know, that kind of money. Let's get to number four here. The guy who replaced him, Myers Leonard, we've had him on the podcast. I think people really enjoy him from a, you know, just a personality standpoint, a quote unquote culture standpoint. Um, obviously, you know, his wife has endeared herself to a lot of my heat fans as well. The, we got shooters thing. I, I advise you to listen to that podcast where she acknowledges she knew what she was doing when she did. <laughs> we got shooters. She says, I'm a bit of an instigator. Uh, Myers kind of had a nervous laugh when she said it. Uh, but uh, let, let's evaluate Myers from a basketball perspective, because they're going to have a decision to make after this year, Al. And they, you know, they've got money due to other people. Like they, they've got to decide what they're going to do with Derek Jones Jr. Um, obviously justice is signed, but will he be here? You know, then, you know, you want to keep money clear for 2021. You've got BAMs doing extension soon, which yes, you can go over the cap, but all of this stuff eventually starts to affect you. What in your view is the correct price tag to keep someone like Myers Leonard and years? Um, for the heat to keep him, it's, you're talking about like, uh, three years, 15 million, but he's going to command more than that. Two years, like two years, uh, two years, 10, two years, 11, three years, 15. But I just don't see it being feasible that they, that, that they keep him after the season. I mean, he's shooting 45% from three right now with limited minutes. Somebody's going to see him and say, you know what, if we gave him a bigger role, what could this guy do? Right. And I think right now he's playing the perfect role. Um, he's strong enough to defend most bigs in the league. He gives you he plays his ass off for whatever, 18 to 25 minutes a game. They've had recently uh, because of Kelly Olynyk's play, they've had to bring him back in when before he wasn't playing any second and fourth quarters. And now he's coming back into the game and he's giving you something. He played super well against Joel Embiid the other day. Now, part of the reason they won that game was because Myers Leonard played so well. So he is a heat culture guy. He is a perfect fit um, for this team. He's like another coach on the floor, the way he barks and he calls out defensive assignments. But you know what? I just don't think that going forward they're going to be able to afford him just because yeah. somebody's going to look at these numbers and say, you know, we're going to offer him three years, 22, or, yeah, or, yeah. or something I crazy like that. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and I think also a lot of it's going to ha depend on the playoffs, right? Is he, you know, he showed last year that he's a playable playoff player. I mean, they, you know, to a certain extent, because of the injuries that Portland had, they had to go to him. But then he had, he talked about it on, on the pot he did with us earlier in the season at Media Day. You know, he, he, he had his moment, right, in his last playoff game last year where it was like, wow, this is still in him. And people forget he was the top of the first round pick. You know, he was, he was in the top half of the first round. So there, people have always believed he had talent. I think some of the defensive limitations, which like you said, he's tried to make up for with strength and positioning and communication, you know, always going to be there. So my, my question is, I think the Heat will make a decision in part based on how it looks in a playoff series. Is he a playable 20-minute-a-game player in a playoff series? I think it's also, you know, how much progress does Chris Silva have? Do they think that, you know, they can mine something bigger there where he takes a bigger role? And also... You know, Kelly Olenek um, has not had a good year. I mean, we, we, we can't dance around it anymore, Alf. Like, he's not had a good year. Like, his minutes, it's like, can, it, I tweeted this the other night. It's like, okay, they survived the Kelly Olenek minutes. And then it was should never him. be the case. No, and then they left him in there for the beginning of the fourth quarter, and they didn't survive those. <laughs> 
You know, you used they, to be able they, to put Kelly Olynyk and Bam out there, and, and you're they were all, a plus you're, ten. They were plus. Yeah, 10 your offensive rating goes through the roof. Yeah, it, it hasn't happened this year, and, and so that's something that's got to be fixed over the last fifty games of the season. And, and so Myers, I, I I don't know necessarily that they planned on Myers having this bigger role as the season progressed, but Olynyk's struggles have really given them no choice, and James Johnson, whatever that is with that situation, you know, it's given them no choice. So I would say right now that the likelihood is probably 70% that Myers is gone. I know they love it here, uh, but all ultimately these things come down to money. So, I mean, he loves the culture. He loves the city, but I, I think it's going to be I mean, could you imagine him taking the mid-level or something like that? I just couldn't. I don't – I, 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 well, uh, again, a lot of it depends on market, and a lot of teams are not going to want to give multiple years this year. So think yeah. about that because they're going to want to stay clean for 2021. So is it possible somebody gives Myers, you know, a one-year deal at $12 million maybe, you know, because they have it this year, but they want to make sure the cap's clean in 2021. And then, okay, if the Heat are offering a multi-year deal but at less per year, would he take it just to stay down here and with the no-state tax and with a team that's in contention and culture he loves? Maybe. But look, the Heat have had to make hard decisions on guys before. I mean, you know, they loved Ike Austin. He went. They loved Eric Murdoch. He went. Okay, I'm going back a ways. But there's been players over the years that the Heat felt like fit their culture, that they put a lot of work into, but it just was not feasible to keep them. Um, they traded Ike Austin for Brent Barry, and Brent and Pat hated each other in the first three days, and that was pretty much the end of it. And Brent was a good NBA player, but it just didn't end up working out. I, I just think that, that in this case, I think it's going to be really tough to justify paying him long-term unless he's playing 20-plus minutes a game in the playoffs. Then I think it's a different conversation. All right, we're going to get to number five here in a second. I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find them at onecalllegal.com. Make sure you spell it out, O-N-E, calllegal.com. They're there 24 hours a day. They handle cases all over the state, and, of course, they handle immigration, personal injury, and traffic tickets from $49.99 and up. They took care of a couple of mine. They've taken care of some. For some of my friends, I wish others of my friends had actually checked them out because they would have had a much better situation than they do now with points on their license and everything that comes with that. So check out the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. They're based right here in North Miami, right off of I-95, just south of the Golden Glaze. All right, for the last one, we're not going to discuss anything, Alf. We're going to play the clip. I think we should play the clip for people. This here is Eric Spolstra in response to my question about Jimmy Butler shooting, which, by the way, I was a little nervous to ask. I told Alex that I was going to ask it. I walked in. because you're going to ask that? I said, no, no, let, let me figure out a way to couch this. Uh, so I made it as positive as I possibly could. You know, the Heat are 11-2 when Jimmy has five or four field goals. Uh, Eric, you've got some, some odd numbers with Jimmy's shooting this year where uh, I think you're 11-2 and two when he makes five field goals or fewer. Um, the poorer he shoots, the better you guys seem to play. I know that's not what you want, but do, do you have any concerns kind of about how he shot the ball from the perimeter? No, I, I don't. And look, I know that that's what everybody will look to quite naturally. Uh, it, there's going to be ebbs and flows uh, with the season, uh, and that's certainly not going to be something now that we game plan. Hey, try to mess up some shots so we can win. Uh, but I, I think that's what young players should learn coming into the league of what a max player actually means. It's not about stats. It's not about uh, you know that final number on the box score. It's not about uh, you know whatever. Uh, uh, 2k numbers you can get and it's not it, it's about how your team functions and are you winning because of a, a player and there is no debate about this uh, 
and he's having a, a, an incredible impact on our winning, our bottom line, and that's why we chased him so hard as a max player. That should be the definition uh, from here on out, but it's not. It gets clouded, uh, and too often it becomes about stats or people that can pile up a bunch of uh, uh, stats, uh, you know, even at a young age, but they're empty stats and they don't they don't impact winning. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.